Hey guys, it's James Chester here. You're listening to the Gather Round the Lamp podcast by underagaslitlamp.com. Gather Round the Lamp, an Aston Villa podcast. Aimed in towards Archer! That's a fabulous header! He's got the Titans, but it's the flick on. Gather Round Villains and a warm welcome back to Gather Round the Lamp, our Aston Villa podcast brought to you by underagaslitlamp.com. Due to a, a blank week in the Premier League following the death of Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II, there was no show last week, but we're back to discuss the Southampton match from Friday night and all the fallout from it. I'm your host, Andy, and I'm delighted to be once again joined by Craig. Hello, Andy. Hello, listener. Delighted to be to be back. Um, it's been a really uh, historic uh, last few days, uh, but the football was back this weekend, and I think that um, we had a really nice uh, uh, tribute at Villa Park, uh, well received and well um, participated in, and um, and we got a win. So um, you know, um, hopefully things are moving in a, in a nicer direction for Aston Villa. Yeah, definitely. It was it was a, a good tribute, and I think all the teams have have, have done their best to uh, to mark the uh, the mood, really. I suppose, and you know, to to, to do their best to to, uh, to to pay their respects. Um, it's a shame that they didn't feel they could trust the clubs to do that the week before. But um, you know, there we go. These these things happen, and I think uh, it's good. It was good to be back anyway. It's good to be back in the stadium on on Friday night, and um, I don't know. It's quite quite an interesting team sheet in in many ways. Uh, Philip Coutinho um, returned to the starting lineup to replace Douglas Louise, and it looked like we sort of reverted to the the four three three, which uh, was interesting with the uh, McGinn and. Ramsey midfield, which is uh, our, our friend Dan's favourite uh, combination. Um, obviously, Young came in and, and replaced Cash as, as expected, and also Emmy Martinez and, and Ollie Watkins had recovered enough from uh, viruses, I think, to be uh, named in the starting lineup. Um, the, the press conference did kind of suggest that Coutinho would be back in the side. Um, apparently, he's training very well. Um, but what did you make of the formation change after the success of the the, the sort of switch um, he made for the Man City game? Um, I felt for a little bit for Ger- for Gerard here because he, he's a little bit damned if you do, damned if you don't. Um, if he had kept the very defensive team for a home game against the Southampton side, who were really like a, a, a bad patchwork quilt at this point, they've they've been torn apart and thrown together with a bunch of kids. Um, he's going to get pelters, but also he got pelters for, um, for, 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 for doing what he did. And, and, and so it was, he was kind of in between a rock and a hard place. I was surprised that, uh, Douglas Louise was dropped after outperforming McGinn and probably Ramsey as well in the previous game. And, um, it seems like he was very hard done by. And, um, but the Coutinho thing, Coutinho, as John Percy said, is, is Gerard's kind of vanity project. And, it seems that um, that that Gerard is just determined to pick Coutinho come hell or high water. So, 
it is a risky business when when um, when your job is in jeopardy, as I think Gerard's st still might be, although slight slight respite now probably because of the win and the international break. But um, it's it's bold. Ultimately, Gerard's going to live and die by these decisions, and um, on Southampton uh, against Southampton, he now lives to fight another day. <laughs> Yeah, and it was it was I was quite surprised really. I think I think the thing I was that 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 did surprise me was going back to that that midfield. Obviously, Kamara, who we'll talk about in a, in a little while, sort of holding the midfield. But then the two number eights of Ramsey and McGinn that we've talked about, you know, an awful lot on this podcast, as not really um, being dominant enough. I suppose were you were you. What did you think of that? I mean, I suppose you've you've kind of said Douglas Louise was unlucky to to lose his place. But what, why do you think he keeps going back to this these two in midfield in particular? I think he's I think he's um, Gerard. That is, I think he has a, a huge ego, um, actually, and and that's not a critique. I think all managers have a, a huge ego, and you kind of have to because in what other line of work does your every decision, your every choice get scrutinised to such a level? Maybe, you know, in, in, in politics maybe, but other than that, football is the national game. It is watched around the world and every every tweak, every formation change, every comment you make in the press is poured over. So you have to have a big ego to be a manager. So don't let me, um, don't let, don't, don't let me try and say that that's some kind of bad thing. And I think that he believes that he knows the best way. And I think that he believes that the best way is McGinn and Ramsey. Results have not borne that out thus far. But I think that you've, we've seen he has an absolute stubborn streak. Dean Smith had the same. Bruce had the same. Um, all the managers that come through Villa Park. Lambert was one of the most stubborn. <laughs> he was stubborn as a mule, old Paul Lambert was. So it's again, it's not something that's unique to Gerard, But um, it seems like he got away with it on Friday because the performance wasn't good as we'll talk about in some more detail and but Southampton were just absolutely abject so it's almost as though um it, it was almost I'm not going to say it was he's been completely vindicated because I think that Villa could have probably played their under 23s on Friday and give Southampton a good run for their money it's just a question about how sustainable it is moving forward and when we come up against stiffer challenges as we will I think the next game is against Leeds uh, who have had a very good start to the season under Jesse March um, what will happen then I guess is the question when we when we go up a level yeah I suppose that, that that's it isn't it but it did seem because I felt like he he kind of struck on a really good um, a really good system and a way of playing against City and I know clearly you've got to be able to change and adapt to some degree when you know, between between Man City and Southampton, but I just felt it was kind of just kind of switching back again to something that has been, you know, not particularly successful. I suppose I I don't I feel like we've seen this 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 midfield an awful lot, and it's it's not really it's not really kind of shone at any point, has it? I know Ramsey and McGinn and. So on have, have 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 played well, kind of individually, um, but it doesn't feel like a like a like a system that works. Or, I mean, I, I mean, we we'll talk talk about the game. I mean, did you notice anything? Maybe that because he he, he did suggest after the game that there'd been a bit more of a a um, 
you know, he had returned to sort of basics a little bit and, and, and become a bit more pragmatic. Was there any kind of changes which helped that midfield, do you think? I, the only thing I, I noticed was that the, the fullbacks were less crazy. And that might be just because of a personnel switch. Lashley Young doesn't necessarily have the the the, the Matty Cash uh, levels of, of let's fly up and down. Um, that's the only thing, and that and that in itself prov- provides more structure and, and more and more and more solidarity. But also, again, the, the the context is we were up against the Southampton team, who were really as bad as you could hope to see. So it wasn't like they had a great deal of questions asked of them. James Ward-Prowse, actually, a, a word on him. I mean, he looks when he's not got a set set piece or a dead ball in front of him, he, he looks very, very ordinary to me. And um, it looks like we may have dodged a bit of a bullet there for, for, for the reported 50 million asking price because to me, he looks like a, a jumped up Ashley Westwood um, and or a jumped up Harahan. Well, probably, yeah, Harahan at least can score some goals and so does Ward Prowse, but I don't see what else he has. And that, and he's their star player by a country mile and he, and he didn't really have a lot. So really poor Southampton side and um, sometimes I think and, and I don't know if this is fair or unfair but my take on it was on Friday there was two very poor teams and we just happened to have the better the more talented players the more talented individuals which won us the day yeah it felt a little bit like the West Ham game in that regard didn't it it was almost the same yeah except this time we got the lucky break um, instead of them and uh, it, you know that that was kind of the difference really um, but the first half was 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 probably slightly um, slightly better it, it was it was a bit flat I think the stadium was quite flat really um, generally certainly in comparison to the, the previous game against City um, Philip Coutinho did have a couple of chances, one in particular that he created himself with a lovely kind of turn and um, sort of ran, ran at the goal and, and you know, sort of skied his shot a little bit. But it was certainly a, it was certainly an encouraging moment from him. And then, and then a, a header that he got on the end of that, that, that was saved at the, at the near post. Uh, I think Bailey also had, had a chance, um, which he, he dragged wide. Um, but it was a goal goal from Ramsey that, uh, that, 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 that kind of put Villa ahead. And it was a bit of a scramble, um, in the goal mouth, the ball kind of came came back off the bar, and and Ramsey put it in. It kind of uh, dis- looked like it deceived everyone really, and Ramsey just um, got his got his volley volley in and uh, went in off the bar. Um, I think it was an important goal for Ramsey. Really, he's had a an underwhelming start to the campaign, which might be might be to be expected after doing so well last season. Um, but you know, it's in the goal, a goal and an assist in the last two. Um, but how do you feel about how he's kind of being utilised? I mean, we just we have touched on this a little bit, but um, he sort of played a bit a bit further forward last time. And he, do you feel that you know that that he would be better utilised maybe further forward in the in the team? Well, well, I think we saw against Man City when he was kind of part of that front fr- front three. Easy for me to say that he had the 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 opportunity to run into the green green grass, which is where the assist came for Bailey. So um, he is he is best at his best, Ramsey, when he's running with the ball at speed and he's running into space, and he has the opportunity to to 
to just you know kind of roam free. Uh, Ramsey's neat and tidy in possession, but he doesn't have a particularly eye-catching range of passing. He's not necessarily going to spray balls left and right here and there. Doesn't necessarily have the kind of um, skill set, although he does have the physique, but he doesn't really get involved in in, in, in battling and, and scraps. He's more of a, a kind of covering the ground kind of guy. So when you have him further forward, that gives the opportunity for Villa to have another number eight on the pitch like a Douglas Louise, who does have a wide range of passing, who can be more uh, involved in dictating the tempo and, and, and picking the passes and being more of a metronome. And then you also have an extra runner to support Watkins and also Bailey. But obviously then you're sacrificing Coutinho. So it is a bit of a puzzle. But um, for me, Ramsey is is looking like he does his best work further forward. And maybe he is not the number eight that we thought he might be. Perhaps he is more of a kind of number 10-ish kind of player. Yeah, I think I think so. I think... What what I really liked about the the city team was that we did have those two those two wide men. I, I think Ramsey would would kind of drop into the midfield, obviously, you know, out of possession. But generally, he was you know he was there. He was f- playing further forward, um, and I liked having that those two those two kind of pace men really on 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 the flanks and hit um, him, him and Bailey, and then obviously Watkins up front, sort of creating. I mean, he 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 really caused problems for the City defenders. So it it really felt like a, a bit of a step forward for Ramsey. I think we talked an awful lot last season about his strengths and how explosive he can be, running into the penalty area, very direct. You know, obviously a goal threat, um, likes to get in the box. It likes to get beyond the attackers, doesn't he? And I just wonder whether playing in that deeper role, he's obviously going to have more responsibility. And it just reminds me a little bit of when the first season, when when we were promoted, and obviously Jack Grealish had played in the championship as a, as an eight in there with with McGinn and and Hurahan or Whelan, and it had worked fine at that level. But in the Premier League, he got really found out. Um, and they needed to solidify that, and they moved Grealish into a more advanced position. And this just feels like a, a similar kind of um, issue to that. And it's whether he decides that either um, Ramsey perhaps isn't isn't the number eight and isn't maybe good enough to do that role consistently in the Premier League, or and drops him or whether he, he does find another place for him. Obviously with Grealish, we just had to put him somewhere else, didn't we? But I think it feels a bit like it's a bit of a crossroads for him really, which is a funny thing to say because he's, he's just scored the winning goal. Yeah. I think that, that this is one of the kind of, one of the kind of bafflements you like with Gerard is, is when you look, you look at the team, you look at the players, the personnel in the Aston Villa squad and you ask yourself, okay, well, which players does Gerard's system get the best out of? And you're left kind of scratching your head and you're like, hmm, last season maybe you'd say Matty Cash. And with all the love in the world for Matty Cash, you know, we're, we're big fans of Matty Cash and his understudy, Freddie Gilbert, on this <laughs> podcast. But uh, with all the best will in the world and all the love that we have for Matty Cash, 
he is not the player that you would want to build your side around if you were looking to push into the top half of the Premier League as your main player. He's a very good Premier League right back, now an international right back, but again, not the kind of player you'd want to build around. You might want to build around a, a Douglas Louise, for example. You might want to build around a Coutinho, a Buendia, so on and so forth, but you wouldn't really pick the right back unless maybe Liverpool and you've got Trent there, but uh, also he's supplemented by far finer players. So when we're thinking about Ramsey as well, certainly he is a a goal-scoring midfielder at this point. I think six Premier League goals last season, second highest goal scorer uh, in, the, in, in the team ahead of Danny Ings, behind only Ollie Watkins, popped up with a goal, uh, the winning goal on Friday. So what you want to try and do, surely, is utilise him where he's going to most benefit the team and that seems to be further forward because I don't know that at this moment in time as you say he necessarily has the qualities to be a a, a Premier League number eight at least at the level that we want to be and and that's not terminal by the way for Ramsey that doesn't mean he can't develop those skill sets this is still a very young man uh, I think 21 22 years of age by the time he's 26 27 he may well have all of those feathers to his bow and he may well be a dominant um number eight in the Premier League for years to come. But just as we find him today, he's not quite there yet. So I think it's 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 really behooves the management team to find systems which get the best out of your players. And again, that's something that I scratch my head with a little bit with Gerard because I just don't think he's, he's been able to do that. Mm. I think he's got certain loyalties. I mean, we'll, we'll talk about John McGinn um, a bit later on, but... He he does he does seem to spring back to um, his his kind of favoured eleven, and I think something that's been uh, thrown at Gerard in terms of criticism is that he he doesn't know what his first his his best eleven is. Now I agree, I don't think he knows what his best eleven is, but I think he thinks he does, <laughs> and I think uh, I think he's wrong, but I think I think he's he he he's got a, a clear idea of. That and he's got he's got his his favourites. I think I think um, I feel like with with McGinn and, and and Ramsey in particular, he sees so much of himself in those players, um, the way they play and that you know they're very dynamic attacking players. And I feel like particularly with Ramsey, you talked about Coutinho being his vanity project, but I think he almost sees Ramsey as his 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 protege, doesn't he? And I wonder if that's particularly helpful in some ways. Um, having said that, I think we do have to. We do have to. Clearly, you know, Ramsey has to be in the team because he's so effective. It's just utilising him in the right way. I think, and I'm not convinced that we are at the moment. I think he struggles in those when when it when, you know when it's time to kind of dig in and you know. And you know, get his shorts dirty. I think he's, I think he struggles a little bit with that. I don't think that's his game at all. I think he's a, I think he's a forward. I, I you know, I think he's a, you know, a, a left-sided or right-sided attacker. That's that's my that's my view. What do you think? That's how it's looking. Um, and, and and as I mentioned a minute ago, that doesn't mean that's what it is forever. But um, for for today, that looks like where he's he's best suited and and. And the, the the problem that we have with him and McGinn is that neither of those players possess the skill set to control a midfield in in the way that you might want to 
want to control it. So it creates its own problems, particularly when you have they have so much ground to cover with the kind of marauding fallbacks and all the other stuff. So it's a tricky kind of conundrum. Um, but as as you say, um, it, it, it's 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 just a question of what what needs to happen for for Villa to start to for the pennies to to start to drop with this this manager. Um, his job's now under threat. He has absolutely came out in the media, I think, and, and, and we're probably going to talk about this later, but while we're here, I think, again, thrown his players under the bus in a kind of less than subtle way, basically saying something to effect of, oh, we tried to go, to go too fast. You know, what we're doing at coaching level is this really advanced, nuanced stuff, and these these stupid idiot players just can't get it, so we're just going to go back to basics for them, you know, and, 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 and kind of uh, feed them feed them like they're a little toddler when you're giving them, you know, some, uh, some, some applesauce in their little high chair. That's what I got from those comments. And, um, I think it's a little bit, um, a bit of, bit of a cop out that whole thing. The idea that, oh no, it's not us as the coaching team that are the problem. Um, cause what we're doing is just really, really advanced. Oh, it's really these stupid players. They just can't do it. And, um, and that, that, that kind of malaise and that kind of dissonance, if you like, cannot go on for ever. <laughs> there has to be a resolution one way or the other, uh, because it really can't carry on like this. Yeah, um, yeah. You know? No, I, I, I totally agree. I think I think I I, I kind of took that a little bit as well. I think people were quite impressed with his interview with uh, Jamie Carr- Carragher. Um, on Sky Sports after the game. Um, and I think it was, you know, generally quite an honest interview and he spoke well about about Tyrone Mings and, and so on. Um, but it does feel a little bit like that, doesn't it? You know, the, the you know, these the, the players just aren't aren't really up to playing the way I want to play. So I'm gonna have to dumb things down a bit and you know and just try and <laughs> try and feed it to them gradually and that yeah, you can take it two ways, can't you? You can say, well, he's he's just being realistic and he's being pragmatic, or you can say, well, he, you know, he kind of knows he's got he's got it wrong and he doesn't he doesn't want to admit it. You know, we've talked on on lots of occasions that you know that the, the way he's set his team up certainly this season, um, and and the way he's asking them to play doesn't really make make an awful lot of sense. And um, I think. I think maybe, maybe he's realised it, but he doesn't want to. He doesn't want to say that, <laughs> so it's easier to go the other way. But I mean, talking about controlling the midfield, one player that that certainly does have the ability to to do that is is Bubakar Kamara. Um, you know, again, looked look really good in the time he was on the field, but was taken off in the in the in the first half. Um, clearly a worry and there's rumours that uh, some sort of ligament injury um, which obviously would, would keep him out for some time and this adds to the, the long term injury of um, Diego Carlos as well meaning sort of both of the big kind of early summer additions will be missing for, for, for some time now um, but I mean you know what what were you seeing from, from Kamara so far given the, t- the team's you know, pretty poor start to the season. You know, and how do you go about replacing him now with the with the squad? Well, I think thankfully um, our deadline day business um, in in two facets. The first facet, keeping hold of Douglas Louise. Now 
seems more important than ever because we know that Douglas can play there. And also the signing of Dendonka also provides additional cover for that spot. And we also have Marvellous Nakamba. Now, I think that, um, that, that, that we've got a, enough cover in the position to not be too upset. We spoke on this podcast at the end of last season about this, um, dare I say, quite fanciful idea that some people may have had that, um, that a defensive midfielder, whoever it was, was going to come in as some kind and wave some kind of magic wand, be some kind of magic elixir for this Aston Villa side when there were fundamental holes and problems everywhere. And now, obviously, the, the early, early season form this year has shown that even though we now have a, a top-level French international as our defensive midfielder, it has not, <laughs> wow, it has not been this magic elixir and solved all the problems. So... The solution for me and, and for, for other fans as well, and we've spoken about that on this show too, is that a double pivot gives you the opportunity to add a bit more protection. Maybe it gives you the opportunity to play Ramsey further forward. It gives you the opportunity to play for Coutinho and Wendy if you want, or at least you know one of them. It gives you the opportunity to do lots of other things and gives you this, the solid base. And then if you have two pivots, it gives them the opportunity to cover the fullbacks if you want to still do the fullback uh, uh, bombing on stuff, uh, which I imagine Gerard does. So I'm actually less concerned about this injury than I am with the with the with the Carlos one for those reasons. I do think we have the cover, and I think that the players that we have in Dendonka, Marvelous, and also Douglas Louise, any combination of those three, if played in a double pivot, are good enough. For to, to, to give our defence the protection they need against most Premier League teams. So I think that's fine. But if you're going to play Douglas Louise as a lone pivot, we know that that is not necessarily great for him. Dendonka, I'm not sure, has the mobility for it. And we know that Marvellous, our Marvellous Goldfish, can be a lone pivot, but uh, you know, and, and is absolutely perfect at it until he needs to pass a football 10 yards, <laughs> which is kind of a problem. So, uh, so having someone next to him, I think is, is, is the best way. But if, if we had, he, uh, Gerard seems to be determined not to start Douglas Louise and maybe that's a contract thing, whatever. If we went into the next game against uh, Leeds, I believe it is, is it Leeds or Forest next? Whoever it is. Leeds, if we yeah. went into the next game, uh, which is Leeds, Again, uh, with with Marvelous and Dendonka as our two sitters, I'd be quite happy with that. But um, but um, I don't know what your thoughts are on the Kamara injury. Yeah, I, I, it was just really disappointing. I think he's had a, a really uh, tumultuous introduction to the Premier League, hasn't he? He's come into a um, a team. He's given up Champions League football uh, to come into a team that look like they're going to be around the the bottom half of the league and. Um, it certainly, it could. I mean, it, the way, the early signs that it could it, it could have been even worse. But we'll obviously we'll see how that plays out. But I do, th- I, I think he's had a tough time. But I think he has looked um, increasingly um, like he, he he's he certainly knows what he's doing. He's 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 got he's got bags and bags of ability. He's great on the ball, reads the game superbly, um, and it's just it's just another. For me, it's it's absolutely gutting, you know, that we've lost yet another um, one of our big big summer signings. I just think it's it's awful luck and um, sort of feel feel for Gerard in that re- 
that, that regard. I mean, when he went off, you know, I, I, I said said to the my mate next to me, I said, same team now, same team as last season. Mm. And when you think about what we were talking about with Perzo's comments and what Gerard was saying about how he was going to shape the team and it was going to look more like a Steven Gerrard team. And then here we are, six, seven games in and it's it's exactly the same team as it was as it was last season. Obviously, we like you say, we have got Dendonka, who's 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 a little bit different, but it's essentially now we're going to be going at least until January with the same the same the same team that finished fourteenth last season. So um, I think as much as anything, it's it's a case of looking at it and saying, look, we've got, I just think we've got to now really, really temper our expectations. And the expectation is that it's probably going to be similar to last season. I think my expectation was, 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 was realistic. I, I was hope I was expecting top 10, hoping for top eight. Anything above that as a bonus. I still think that is, is possible. Certainly we've seen uh, West Ham badly faltering, um, so that's potentially one of those top 10 places up for grabs. Uh, Leicester also badly faltering. So that's another one of those top 10 places potentially up for grabs. Uh, Brentford um, seem to be having a bit of a second season syndrome. Um, Ivan Tony aside, they've had some some a mixed bag of results, uh, Brentford. So there's a potential uh, uh, club we could leapfrog. Oh my God, isn't that sad thinking that we need to leapfrog Brentford because <laughs> they finish ahead of us? Dear, oh dear, oh dear. Anyway. That that brings it home, doesn't it? It does, yeah. That brings it home. Brighton have now lost their their very special manager in Graham Potter. So that is potentially another team that we can finish ahead this season. So it's not all doom and gloom. I I think a top 10 uh, uh, finish can still be achievable with this squad of players. But it's really if you play them to their strengths. Um, But even if he doesn't play for play them to his strengths. If he carries on boring us to death and winning 1-0 every week, I'll take that. Quite honestly, I will take that. If that gets us up the table and and, and, and lets us get a solid footing and we could have some good cup runs, I will take being bored out of my tree watching Aston Villa if we continue doing that clean sheets. I much prefer that than the harem scarem helter-skelter, let's, let's look really good but lose 4-1 kind of uh, results. So, um, I still think top 10 is, is, is achievable. I think that the loss of Carlos is more severe than the loss of, of, of Kamara for the reasons I've mentioned. Carlos has been named in, in the squad, um, I, I saw, so that, that potentially augurs well for his return. And we also only have a few games left now before the World Cup break. So that is the other bonus for, for Kamara is that he should, if, assuming it is a three-month period, he might miss six, seven games um, in between now and, and Qatar, but hopefully he should be back um, back in business for us by the time the World Cup ends. Obviously disappointing for him that this could end his World Cup dreams, but he is young enough where there'll be other World Cup opportunities for him. Yeah, definitely. And he, he wasn't, I don't think he was actually picked in the uh, in the France squad initially, but he'd been called up because of a, an injury um, to Rabiot, I believe. Um I think you make a really good point there, and it's it's something I had sort of thought about with when when Carlos was Carlos got injured was having that kind of month to six weeks off essentially um, in the season kind of does give players who are injured um, 
you know a bit of bit of breathing space doesn't it in terms of getting back to full fitness um or at least you know really progressing their recovery without missing any 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 club matches so it's it's quite a it's quite a unique scenario in that regard but i still think i still regard this as 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 i mean or you could you could argue it's classic villa you know you know, get get your business done early, um, get everything settled down, have a really good pre-season, and then both both the players that you've brought in to improve the team get injured in the first the first few weeks, which I just think is um, you could have almost predicted it, but I mean it's it's it, it is what it is, and like you say, we do have in terms of Kamara at least we do have um, quality players I think that can that can. Fill the gap while he's out, and we've we've got options. Um, and even in the case of Carlos, I think Mings has come on um, incredibly well in the last, uh, certainly in the last couple of games. But I think he's he's really stepped up uh, since he came back into the side as well. I think he has, and 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 maybe this is um, I've done a, a fair bit of uh, Gerard critique so far in this podcast. So let me let me provide some balance here. Maybe it turns out that. Um, taking the armband off Tyrone Mings, as Gerard alluded to in that interview we've spoken about uh, with Jamie Carragher on Sky Sports, maybe taking the captaincy off Tyrone Mings has allowed him to focus on his game, has allowed Tyrone Mings to return to those um, those 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 heady heights of the uh, you know the, the league when we the league season where we had fourteen uh, clean sheets record equaling and all those other things the kind of form that made him become an England international although now obviously he's been despite him being back in the form of his life he's been jettisoned for Connor Cody and Harry Maguire <laughs> but uh, that's a different conversation uh, you know Mings can only keep doing what he's doing and um, and 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 long may it continue so maybe maybe um, it's fair to give Gerard some, some some credit for that maybe taking the, the captaincy off Mings was 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 the best medicine for him yeah I always thought that um that was possibly part of the reason, or at least that's what he would say. The reason was was to um, to take some of the pressure off him because I think he does take so much responsibility for the players around him, and, and maybe that's okay when you're playing with um, you know players who who lack that experience. Maybe, but I think when you've got um, you've got a French French left back. Um, international left back next to you, and obviously Ezri Kans has played an awful lot of games at this level now. I think you can you can afford to to focus on your own game a little bit more, and I think that's what he's doing. He just looks really up for it to me. He just he looks like he did when he first came in. That's 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 what I can say. His body language, the way he's he's moving around the field, he's not carrying the weight of the world. You know, he's he's, and I think he's you know he's really sort of stepped up a level and I think you know if Southgate ignores that then you know that's a shame um, bit of a shame for England shame for Mings but I think for Villa you know you know he can have a bit of a bit of some winter sun and um, you know recharge the batteries for uh, for for the restart on Boxing Day so um, but he's yeah he's he's been excellent I think um, certainly the last couple of games uh, at least Um but I mean, the sec- second half was was a, a real a real damp squib, really, wasn't it? It was Villa. Villa did struggle to kill the game off. Um, the changes didn't really help when Deer and, and Ings uh, came on, but made little impression. Probably had little little chance to really make any any headway in the game. Um, 
and like you say, Southampton were just really bad, you know, really bad. I spoke to a, a friend of mine who, who was at the game, who supports Southampton and, you know, he just said we were, we were unbelievably poor and, um, that was evident. I don't think they had, did they have a shot? Did they have a chance? I, I, I don't, I don't recall, but it was certainly a, there was a little bit of a scramble towards the yeah. end. And I think, uh, Watkins made a decent clearance and that was about as interesting as it got, yeah. um, I think for, for Southampton. Yeah, absolutely. It w- did seem a little bit, and it would have been incredibly harsh, I think, if they'd have got a, a draw at that stage. But that's that's what happens when you when you're only one nil up and you can't um, you can't kill the game off. Um, nevertheless, it was it was clearly a welcome three points for Gerard. I think he was pleased with the the general attitude and the application of his team. Um, but what are your main sort of takeaways? From this, and are you are you are you bothered by the lack of creativity in the, in this side at the moment? I I, I yes and no. The, it's a results business. So if again, if we continue to stink out the place and win one nil every week, I will be happy. I know not everyone else will, but I will personally be happy. I like clean sheets, as we know, and I like it when we win games. I want Villa to win games. I want us to climb the table. I want us to see see a winning team. Now, obviously. We'd all love to see swashbuckling, you know, wonderful goals. We'd love to see us steamrolling teams with with Coutinho bending, you know, uh, uh, shots into the top corner from 20 yards, you know, like the uh, like his YouTube highlight reels from his Liverpool days. We'd love to see Watkins chasing and bustling and, 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 and Buendia involved and Bailey sprinting and dribbling. We'd all love to see the sexy football, uh, a phrase I believe coined by Rude Hullet. <laughs> who uh, went up to serve some less than sexy football at Newcastle during that run. But anyway, um, it is something that we would like to see. Um, but again, I will say it's, it can't be style over substance. The first thing is let's win. Let's get ourselves away from relegation bother. Let's get ourselves confident. Let's get ourselves to the, 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 um, to the, the world cup break in, in, in one piece, uh, and, and, and give us a platform to build on in the second half of the season because we do still have the money, bearing in mind the transfer, uh, the, the, there's not that many games in between now and the, the, the transfer window opening in January. We do have, I imagine, the resources, should the owners choose to do so, to supplement and, and maybe sprinkle in some stardust if it looks like a top 10 or a top 8, if, if uh, a finish could be possible for us. I can imagine if we stay within striking distance of the European spots that the owners might authorise a purchase or two to take us over the edge. And if we need to do one nils to get us to that point, um, get us to January like that, I think I think it's good. I would characterise that as a success. Yeah, I think the only thing that concerns me is that, like we said, Southampton didn't pose any kind of threat at all. So the clean sheet... On paper, it's good, but if if the other team can't can't actually create anything, it kind of it's more of a, a clean sheet by default, isn't it? Really, you know, short of I mean, we have obviously talked a lot about Aston Villa more or less walking the ball into their own net at times um, during during our time back in the Premier League, hence the uh, the creation of the Aston Villa goal giveaway club. Um, we have we have been known to do that to create op- to create our own sort of problems, and um, we we certainly didn't do that on Friday night. But there was very little um, 
defending to be done. And maybe that was to do with the control we had in the midfield, maybe, or or, or, or at the back. Um, it, you know, the, the way we set up, maybe that helped with that to some degree. Um, but I think I'd be cautious about sort of proclaiming this clean sheet as, as a as a, a turning point. Um, and I think the, the, the defensive display against Man City was was far more of a, an indicator of what we can achieve um, when we play, when we stick to our game and we and we play well. Um, this was more of a, well, you know, <laughs> if we if we'd have, if we'd have conceded a goal in this game, it would have been really really bad. But um, yeah, I, <laughs> I'm uh, I'm. I, I, that's what concerns me. Normally, glass half full today, aren't you, Andy? Yeah, I'm, I'm not. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think I think I, I was a little bit perturbed, and d- despite the fact w- that we won on Friday, I left the ground feeling, feeling a little bit deflated. Um, and but I, I, since then, I think I think you are right. I think you've got to take the wins where they come, and I, I certainly think. Look, I'd rather win win one nil than lose four three, but. At the same time, um, this game I wouldn't regard as a major indicator of of this new kind of pragmatism being successful. I think if we go to Leeds and get a one nil, um, then that will be far more of a, a you know a, a you know a far a far better indicator of of where we're at with that. Um, but there's no doubt this this team these players can defend. We saw it. We've seen it. Um, just maybe not so much last season, but certainly the year before. Um, you know, Conza and Mings and Martinez, in particular, they can do it. They can organise themselves and, and keep clean sheets. Well, you do like the Sean uh, Sean Dice references on this podcast, <laughs> but it, it is it is they say the easiest thing to do in football is to coach and organise a defence and become hard to beat. Um, I think that we've seen lots of teams. Dice perfected it. Pulis perfected it really be able to stay in the Premier League (laughs) long past their welcome (laughs) by stinking out the place and just being in a low block and defending and and, and obviously Villa with the the spend and the kind of wage structure we have and the kind of uh, calibre of player and profile of player that we've been able to bring in likes of Coutinho, Leon Bailey, Danny Ings, Amy Buendia, the the owners will no doubt be expecting more moving moving forward but I also think that um, Gerard is in self-preservation mode. I think he is still on thin ice, I would imagine, uh, with his uh, superiors at Aston Villa, and probably rightfully so, given that we are still struggling um, overall. If you look at the wider context of, 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 of Gerard's managerial reign, it has not been a success thus far. And, um, and I, I guess that is going to weigh heavy on Gerard's mind moving forward. And, 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 and again, if he can get those results to pick up uh, through to January, maybe he might be able to sprinkle some stardust on his squad. He could also look forward to the returns of Kamara and Diego Carlos. And maybe we be looking, we'll be looking a little bit better, um, you know, this time in January perhaps. But for now, I think it's good to stop the rot. I celebrate the, the clean sheet. Yes, Southampton were terrible, but that's not Villa's fault. You can only play... You can only beat the team that you that's put in front of you. So, um, and and Villa did that. So it was job done. But again, there will be sterner sterner tests to come. Leeds, 
are rejuvenated under Jesse Marsh, um, pulled off a bit of a, a great escape at the end of last season, have carried that momentum into this season and look a really well drilled machine, I must say. And um, that will certainly be a, a sterner test and Leeds will definitely ask more questions than the toothless Southampton attack did. Yeah, definitely. Uh, on Friday. Yeah, I think you're right. And I, I do think that'll be a, um, a much... Uh, a much greater indicator of where we're at. So, I mean, what are you saying with, with Gerard? Because obviously we've questioned sort of how long he might have and that sort of thing. And obviously we can't really, we, we've got no way of knowing that. I did have a feeling that had, had we lost on Friday night, you know, he may still have been, uh, been out really. I think that a lot of the talk was that he had until this um, international break to kind of turn things around. And I suppose given you know, the games he's had, he has done that. Um, no question, but um, do you think he's still going pretty much game to game or do you think he's he's got a bit more credit in the bank yet? I think it's still very dicey for him. I think that, I think that if, I think hypothetically, if we had a heavy defeat at Leeds and then you lose next to Forest, I think that's it for him. Because then that would be four wins in 21 games mm. off the top of my yeah. head. And losing to teams who we should be finishing above, like newly promoted Nottingham Forest, uh, Leeds, who just narrowly escaped relegation. If we're soundly beaten in both of those games, again, that could be the end. So I do think he still has some some work to do to climb. He's still in a little bit of a hole, I think. But I don't think it's necessarily... Um, curtains for him if he loses one of those games but I think lose both and and again the questions are gonna 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 be asked but he's also now ran out of 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 goodwill from most of the fan base so from what from what has happened historically with Villa fans once the goodwill is gone and I don't think he's completely out of goodwill, but I think it's it's running low. It's uh, you know it's like when your 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 car beeps to you, you need to go fill up your petrol. It's about to run out. I think he's he's kind of in the in the in the red zone there. But the the the, the proof will be in the pudding in terms of in terms of these next two games. Again, big games for him. The Leicester game was a big game, which was you know unfortunate that we missed that one because that was what a wonderful time to play Leicester. But two two positive results in the next two games, I think, sees him safe until until January. I think then I think you know if he can do two or three wins on the spin, that would be a really good way for him to to boost morale and and show us all that he has turned a corner. And we all want him to turn a corner. We all want Villa to do well and win games. You know, um, it's not like. I, uh, we have anything personal against the guy. It's just that if we're being, if 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 we're being honest, he just hasn't done so as well as we would have hoped. So that's where the disappointment comes in. I guess. Yeah, definitely. I think I think that's it. And I think the problem at the moment is that he is he is kind of in debt and he's trying to get on 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 level terms, isn't he, at the moment? And that means that he needs to string some results together. You can't have a situation where your manager is going the next two games to save his job all the time. Managers have to be able to lose a couple of games, you know, because that's normal. That most teams in the in the Premier League lose a couple of games and then they win a couple, and it's a little bit hit and miss. That's how it. That's how it is. You can't you can't be faced with this situation 
all, all the time. So he needs to kind of build build his credit back up. Uh, you know, so he's in a position where if he does lose a game, he hasn't got everyone sort of baying for blood. He needs he needs some some leeway because otherwise you you're fighting a losing battle because you, uh, <laughs> you you you're always likely to lose a game at Villa's level. That's that's the way it is. Yeah, I I, I agree. And the league table, you, you never really should look at the league table before you know before ten games. I don't think, and we're we're seven in now, so you don't put too much stock in it, but. We're, we, you want to just stay for the for the optics. You want to steer well clear of that relegation zone, and we are you know a, a one result away from being back in it, because that then becomes a narrative. The press get hold of it. Talk sport are on about it. The radio phone ins are talking about it. The fans are talking about it. The WhatsApp groups are talking about it. Ah, we're in the relegation zone. That's when it becomes a thing. So again, it's it, it's a results business. You gotta, you you, you gotta, you, you gotta, as you say, it is. It's like he's he's got to repay the loan a little bit. Just creep away, creep into the safety of mid table where everyone is 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 calm again. But when you're so close to the trap door uh, and you lose some of the games in the manner that we lost them, the West Ham defeat, the the the, the Bournemouth defeat in particular was one of the worst. The West, the, the you know, the, there's been some problems. So. I think that we have the players to to do it, and I think that 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 I'm hopeful that we are turning a corner. That the result against Man City was great. We then followed that up with three points, so we're definitely moving in the right direction now. And it, and it's up to Villa to keep that momentum uh, moving into the Leeds game after the international break. Yeah, definitely. Well, we, you know, we'll see how that goes, and we'll 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 build up to that um, next time. I think. But the I wanted to just talk about John McGinn really because obviously this is. An ongoing kind of situation with him. Um, he's certainly underperformed, I think, certainly since the start of the season, since being named as the as the, the sort of full time captain, replacing Tyro Mings. Um, he was taken off after an hour against Man City, and I think a few people thought maybe, you know, he might um, he might have a, a spell out the side after that. Um, but I think that might have been a, more of a tactical tactical switch at that point. But um, he was probably better against Southampton, I thought. He's certainly sort of kept the ball a bit better. He was more involved, um, a little bit more controlled. Um, but where do you currently sort of stand on McGinn and his place in the team? And do you think the captaincy issue is, is maybe causing Gerard a little bit of a, a problem? Yeah, it always is going to because people, because McGinn as captain now is expected to start and his form his performances this season and last season have not merited a guaranteed place in the Aston Villa side uh, he had a nice game against Southampton but again Southampton as we said were, were, were absolutely diabolical so and it was kind of I think McGinn said uh, he said something like this was it was like a championship game and we know that McGinn thrives in those kind of Environments, but the the unfortunate thing is, in the Premier League, you don't get very many Championship style games where McGinn can put his backside out and and, and do that kind of stuff. And um, and again with McGinn, this was his second good game of the season. He had a good game against Everton, also not doing so well. Although they, they did win today, one uh, nil against West Ham, <laughs> who were still terrible. And um, and he's had a good game against Southampton. Two good games out of eight, including the cup. Are we going to celebrate that? I mean, I, I don't want to sound too harsh here, but 
it's just not good enough. Until he can start to do this consistently and justify not only the captaincy, but the place in the Villa side, then I'm, I'm, I'm still going to be um, just disappointed with John McGinn. Um, I, I, I don't know how else to say it. And it's, it's sad to say because he's one of our favourites. He's one of our promotion heroes. He's someone who you would love to see as a Villa captain in, 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 in normal times. But it seems like his performances haven't warranted that honour. And he hasn't overall in the first eight games of the season, including the cup game, where he was also diabolical against uh, Bolton. He isn't earning that. And um, and that's a difficult one to take when it's a player that you, you have great affection for. Yeah, I think, I think this is the thing. I think in football, um, the captaincy probably isn't as major, uh, such a big issue as it's made out to be. And I think a lot of teams do, you know, change the captain around the team. You know, different people take the armband at different times. And, you know, in, in some teams, you wouldn't, you wouldn't really know who the captain is necessarily. Um, I'm always amazed that uh, Hugo Lloris is the captain of Tottenham. <laughs> I just assume it's Harry Kane. But um, I think... I think in in McGinn's case, I think it is it, it is a major problem because he isn't like you say he's not he's not earning his place in the team at the moment. He's not playing as well as he he, he perhaps can do, or maybe as well. Maybe the team has, has moved on a little bit and he doesn't really fit fit what we're, we're trying to do. But you've got to try and sort of shoehorn him in because he's. Because he's the captain, and obviously the, the the kind of character he is as well. But I, I just think I feel like I feel like Gerard would have been far better just not having a regular captain. Really, I think he had to take it away from Mings, um, and I, you know I thought that a long time ago. But I think he'd have just been better off saying we're going to have Ashley Young is going to be our our club captain, um, and then. You know, we'll pick a captain for each game as we go along, and I, I don't see what the problem with that is. Really, um, have a leadership group and pick the captain based on who's in, who's actually in the side and who's in form. Um, I think in other sports, cricket and and uh, rugby in particular, um, they have this. They have you, the captain is 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 very important tactically on the field. Um, you know they lead the team far far more. They have far more influence. So you tend to, you might see a captain in in one of those sports that maybe is a little bit off their game or isn't as good as 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 the other players because they are because of what they bring to that particular role. But I don't think that's the case with football. Um, they don't have that kind of influence on the field, and unless you've got someone who is demonstrably captain material and has to be in charge like Gerard was I suppose and in some ways I suppose um, with Jack Grealish I just don't see I just don't see the point of picking one you might as well pick someone different yeah and 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 it, it does create this narrative now because the, the captaincy does come with that that baggage fair or not real or not uh, perception is reality and, and the perception is you are the face of a football club when you are the captain you are the face of that football club along with the manager and we have gone from having Jack Grealish as the face alongside uh, you know that famous picture that was on the back of uh, the uh, North stand there for a little for a little while we've gone from that to 
Gerard as the manager, major star as a player, and McGinn as a captain, a player who is not Jack Grealish with the greatest will in the world in, in any way, shape or form, and who isn't, not only is he not the best player, he's, you know, I don't think he's even in the top three midfielders at the club. And, um, and and it does create a bit of a rod for his own back. Maybe it would have just been better for, for as you say, for it to be Ashley Young, club captain. When Ashley Young plays, he's going to be wearing the armband. That's that. And then someone else will wear it at other times. Maybe sometimes that's Mings. Maybe sometimes that's Begin. Maybe sometimes it's Martinez. Maybe even Watkins wears it from time to time. Whatever. But Ashley Young's a captain, full stop. Because then Ashley Young is is a hero, Aston Villa, for, for not only you know what he did, obviously, back in the day, the old Martin O'Neill glory days, but also now he's decorated in the game. He's, he's got respect throughout the, uh, the, the profession as well as the football club. So that may have been a more sensible way to go. But now, again, if, if Gerard changes again now and pivots, it, he makes himself look weak. And we know, again, going back to the earlier points, that there is a stubborn streak with these managers. So I don't see him changing it now. And I think that um, a little bit like the Coutinho thing, it seems like Gerard's hell bent on playing both McGinn and Coutinho come hell or high water, and that, as we spoke about, might might end up biting him on the nose. Yeah, I think so. I think I think there needs to be some kind of solution. I think the sooner that he he gives McGinn, um, you know, a spell out the team or a couple of games or or, or whatever on on the bench, I think that the, the the easier it will be for him. I think the longer it continues, where he's clearly not performing. Um, and in some cases, you know, it, you know, it's potentially. I mean, we talked about the games, the good games he's had. You know, the, that game against Bolton in the cup, he was, he was, he was really bad. I think that's the worst I've, I've ever seen him play. And given the, given the standard of the opposition, I thought that was really worrying. Um, he's a much better player than that, though. And maybe he just needs to come out of the firing line a little bit, um, and 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 dip in and out. I know at, at, at Liverpool. You know, you know Jordan Jordan Henderson's probably in a similar kind of position. Doesn't play every game. He, he has his injuries as well. You yeah. know, he comes in and out the side. And when he's on the field, he wears the armband. And and I think that that could be a similar thing um, for for John McGinn. But I think I think the sooner yeah, there's Maguire as well. Of course, he was he was uh, named captain and dropped two games later because because he was terrible. And the manager the the manager just said, "I can't continue to pick you, otherwise I'm going to lose my job." And um, you know, he dropped him, and 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 they've been they've been much better ever since. And I think sometimes managers, I think the captaincy just 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 gets in the way. It it, it blurs the vision of the manager, and I think. He'd he'd be far better off if he if if he just took him out of the team for a couple of games, um, and and you know and, and tried something different and and fed him back in at certain times for certain games, um, but I, it's it's I don't like talking like this because as as you know I, I I absolutely adore John McGinn he's one of my favourite all time Villa players and I want to see him playing like he has done in the past for us but at the moment he just looks completely lost um albeit he was somewhat better i thought on 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 friday night um but has he been dropped from scotland as well is that do we know was he dropped from scotland no no, no surely not perhaps not perhaps not i haven't seen no, that no maybe i misheard that but um 
we have had a <laughs> we have got an international break coming up as as we know and a lot of players have lost their a lot of villa players have lost their places in their in their respective teams obviously we know we know about um Ollie Watkins and Tyro Mings who were left out in the summer anyway and they haven't regained their place uh Philip Coutinho has been left out of the Brazil squad um Bubakar Kamara was was called up as an injury replacement, but obviously now probably won't join up, depending on um, how bad his injury is. But we expect that to be quite bad. Um, the other big one was that I saw was was Cameron Archer, who um, who was who left out of the the England under twenty ones uh, for this particular break, having scored four goals in four games over the summer. Um, he must feel feel really. Uh, sort of down in the mouth but Eddie Martinez Leon Bailey Robin Olsen and Augustin Sin have all been called up for their respective teams and I think perhaps Luca Dean as well um, no I think Luca Dean's out oh is he okay so yeah. he's been uh, he's blimey so that's that's um, a lot of a lot of um, players losing their their place at a really critical time and these players will be determined to make the the World Cup squad which will their World Cup squad which will start to be announced I guess sort of November time early November um, could this sort of benefit Villa in a way leading up to the World Cup um, as players look to to regain their place or to to, to, to sneak into their squad um, you know and also do you think it's for this on this occasion it might be better to have the players perhaps having a bit of a holiday and, and round sort of body more heath for, for, for a few days uh, resting and training I think it's hard to say. I think it depends on the the individual. Obviously, Gerard said that Coutinho was like a man possessed, and we saw a a, a more a better performance from Coutinho against Southampton. But again, he didn't um, exactly set the world alight like we know that he can. Um, Luca Dean, Pubakar Kamara, obviously, is out now. It's going to be really difficult for these players. Ollie Watkins had hoped to to. Um, to to get on that plane and we know we said in in the close season what what he needed to do he needs to hit up the ground running and 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 and, and score some goals and he's doesn't really look like scoring particularly Ivan Tony is just light years ahead of Ollie Watkins at this moment in time and rightly so um he's playing much better and um that also might be not to put this all on the manager but that is symptomatic of a team that is just badly struggling. So, I mean, if you want to look at signs and warning signs for a team performing, all of these national coaches are not wrong. Southgate's took a look at what's happening at Aston Villa. The French coach, uh, Deschamps, has looked at what's going on at Aston Villa. So on and so forth, etc., 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 and said, nope, I don't want those players. So it's really quite damning for Gerard to have overseen dare we say the 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 international banishment of so many players at once um it's really tricky and and it does kind of reinforce my view that that Gerard's system just doesn't really get the best out of any player and um and that is a hard one to it's really a hard one to 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 defend i guess is what i'm saying yeah, it does, it does like so. I think damning's the word, isn't it? And you, you know, I think Coutinho had, had spent some time out out of the Brazil 
side, but he'd come back into it um, after his move to Villa, and he was playing well. Um, he got back in, and and he, it, you know, he's he scored a few goals for for Brazil, and he was he was playing, um, you know, in that in that in that sort of very uh, attacking and skillful side, and uh, he was part of that, and to sort of be left out completely because it's not like he hasn't been playing. I mean, when he was left out of it before, he, he it was because he wasn't playing, but. You know he is now. He is playing, but he's he's just not he's not not playing well enough, um, and that's that's clear to see. Um, I think. I mean, Watkins is has got no chance now, surely, of getting in that World Cup squad, other than a lot of injuries. I mean, he must be behind Abraham as well, and yeah, yeah, he's he's, he's way off, isn't he? He's 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 not gonna he's not gonna do that unless unless he goes on a on a crazy run of goal scoring, which which at this point. You know, it does look unlikely. Well, he's he's also not the player that t- that got the call up to the England squad. The player in that season where that that was scoring the hat trick against uh, Liverpool, rolling Joe Gomez like he wasn't there. The very talented Joe Gomez, Andy, uh, <laughs> your favourite, and and bending one in the top corner. The guy who's going to Arsenal, the Emirates, and scoring a brace. That, that that guy we haven't seen for some time and, and some of that is probably down to him and his, his finishing that we've spoken about on the show and some of that again is down to the system which you know at the risk of just repeating the same thing who who are we seeing this system get the best out of it's not what it's not anybody so we there is a Ollie Watkins is a far cry from that from that player that we saw um, in that first season who won an England call-up who was very close to going to the last major tournament and um, and that's unfortunate for him I think based on what we're seeing and uh, the guy we've we've mentioned already uh, but, but Tyro Mings who bravely looked into Medusa's eyes and now has come back roaring um, Tyro Mings could be the man to regain his international place but yeah Watkins is, 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 is definitely struggling and it just again talks about the malaise around Aston Villa when we were having all those players called up for international football for the first time, Cash, Watkins, Mings, uh, so on and so forth, uh, Douglas Louise, um, it felt like we were really a team in the ascendancy and on, on the up, and, and now it feels like it's going the other way. And that is, um, and that doesn't feel good. No. And so quickly as well, to go so, so quickly, quickly yeah. from looking around the team saying, He's an international. He's an international. He's an international. So now they're they're all dropped, and even yeah. like I say, Cameron Archer, who had such a good summer for the under twenty ones, um, and you know, we all wanted him to stay at the club, didn't we? Because we thought he could get some get some minutes, certainly at the end of games or maybe start games, but probably coming on as one of the five substitutes. And we've not seen him apart from, I think, against Bolton and maybe three minutes against West Ham. And you kind of think, you know, he he could have, for his own personal career, he should have gone out on loan. They should have let him out on loan. We didn't want that. But we assumed that the fact he'd signed a new contract and he was staying meant that he was in Gerard's plans. But he, he wasn't even on the bench, was he, on on uh, Friday night? So it's it's a real... It's a real sort of head scratcher, and I think it is um, symptomatic of of what's happening at the club, and and, and maybe um, you know some issues there that well, we, see, we obviously it translates onto the field, but even with the the upturn in form, you know the, these players are struggling, 
to make an impact and to and to hold their hand up and say I'm ready for international football. Yeah, it's it's yeah, it is difficult to it is difficult for us to really speak honestly about how it is it's, it's difficult to have these conversations because I I this this wish this podcast I, I I dare say has been quite negative and um, it shouldn't be after a win but I guess just the feeling around the club that I have and you said it yourself from from the from the um, from the from the stadium the vibe around the club is not one of the the kind of bright it's not it's not as happy as it was it it, it all does feel a little bit down in the doldrums down in the dumps it does feel a little bit sour. And a little bit hard to get excited by, I guess, and and that's and that's a shame because we just spent a period. I mean, you said Andy that you know it was your favourite pe- period of being a Villa fan, and it seems like we've gone from from the worst period of being a Villa fan <laughs> with that relegation season, the the nonsense under Zia, the Bruce Ball, all that stuff, to the best. And while we're not obviously anywhere near those depths now, it just doesn't feel like a it doesn't feel like a happy club right now and the international stuff kind of feeds into that narrative and and so are we with this very uh with with without with our with with this with this with this podcast which should be a lot happier after after an important win a relegation six pointer some might say yeah well we were we, we we obviously we were very happy uh with the man city game weren't we and yeah that that was and you know obviously i wrote a wrote a piece for the website about Ashley Young and how I felt that he sort of made that reconnection with the fans. There was a real visceral kind of response to Ashley Young and the team on that night against Man City. And we got the, we got a good result, scored a great goal, you know, possibly could have won it. You know, it was, it was all there and there was a really good atmosphere and the, the, you know, the, the players were behind the team and the manager and it felt like, Oh, a little bit of that's returned, but it just wasn't there again on on Friday. And I know Aston Villa fans are notorious for, you know, we'll back you if if you if you, you know, if you show if you show you're willing. You know, we we don't expect the world, but we just want to see, you know, a bit of progress or a bit of a bit of fight. And um, it doesn't feel like that's that's really there. Um, albeit it, it, it was for that City game and, and that, that that's a bit of a shame at the moment. Um, you know, whether the, the whole thing, um, you know, with the, 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 the you know, the, the tributes to the Queen, whether that, that had had any kind of impact on the players before the game and made made, made the place a bit sombre and a bit flat, I don't know. Um, certainly had an effect on both teams if it did, but um, yeah, Obviously, happy with we should be happy with the win, but there's just this feeling, isn't there? It's a it's a it's a gut feeling, and that's that's kind of where I'm at with it at the moment. Yeah, it could be, and 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 perhaps you're right. Perhaps there is a general understandable. You know, the nation is in is in a, a, certainly a, a period which has been very uh, upsetting for many people, and um and 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 maybe that feeds into the the the, the general mood at the moment. But um, certainly, what we'd like to see, I think, is 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 a uh, is is a more together squad. We want to see our players being picked. We want to see Aston Villa players playing at the World Cup. We want them to have that those moments because it's it's just you feel kind of vicariously proud of them. I can't tell you how 
I mean, obviously it all soured very quickly when he left us for a few weeks later, but, you know, cheering on Jack Grealish for England um, in the last Euros as kind of, uh, you know, local lad done good and, you know, why isn't Southgate picking him and, and all that stuff. That, you know, there was um, there was just an emotional attachment there, I guess. So you do like to see that. And I guess and I guess that's been taken away a little bit uh, and with the idea that we're just not really going to have much representation at the, at, at the World Cup. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, we'll obviously see see how the next the next few weeks goes, and you know there may be some uh, there may be some rays of hope for for some of those players. Hopefully, and if Villa can go on a run, if Gerard can inspire a little bit of a fight back this season um, over the next few weeks. Um, but I think we'll we'll leave it there. No game this weekend, obviously, because of the the, the internationals. Um, another two-week break before the Leeds game so um, but thanks for uh, thanks for joining me for this one Craig and thanks to everyone for listening obviously head over to under a gaslit lamp and have a look at the the, the latest articles on there um, well done to the, the the Villa women as well who, who beat Manchester City today 4-3 sounded like an absolute cracker um, and what a what a magnificent start to the season for them for Carla Ward and and the, and, and the Villa women so congratulations to them as well um, today um, but we'll be back next week hopefully um, you know to, to, to look ahead to the uh, to the um, the next games and um, obviously enjoy the international break um, whatever you're doing stay safe and up the villa <laughs>